Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Immortals. My name is Rishi Chaudhary, and I'm here with Ishan Shivanan, an executive coach and wellness expert who is also the founder of the Yoga of Immortals program. Mr. Shivanan, how are you? I'm excellent. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm great. Uh, next, we have Rima Gainley. She is the founder and executive performance coach, uh, coach at Lead From Within, a leadership and development consultancy that helps impact-driven founders and leaders achieve great sustainable success. Uh, Rima Ji, how are you? Hi, Rishi. I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me here. So Rima Ji will be leading this podcast uh, today. Uh, so with that being said, Rima Ji, take it away. Thanks, Rishi. <clears throat> Hishanji, it's an honor to be talking with you today about female empowerment and well-being for the mental health of women. I, um, I've had a fair few experiences with my own mental health and helping and in the way that I help others through my work as an executive performance coach. Um, and I've navigated plenty of challenges throughout my career and more so during the pandemic when there was a lot of change going on within my world, both within my businesses and within my family. And the Yoga of Immortals has really helped me um, navigate that journey from a place of greater focus and particularly for me self-compassion. I would really um, love to speak to you more about how women in particular can get better at managing the build-up of those negative emotions that then lead to um, overwhelm as a product of multitasking, as a feeling um, of them feeling like they need to be there for everybody, both professionally and personally, and then reaching that point of burnout and getting into a cycle of that crash, burn, rest, get up again, or you know, crash, you, you, you kind of crash and then you rest and then you get back up again. And it's an unhealthy cycle. Uh, so I'd love to get your views around how women can empower themselves to take greater control of their mental well-being. You know, the interesting thing is I uh, grew up in a culture where... Uh, women were literally the superheroes. So even the gods and goddesses that were introduced to me, um, mostly it was a goddess-oriented matriarchal culture where we saw whenever even the gods would be in trouble, they would pray to the female energy. And the female energy would come on a lion or a tiger with so many hands and each hand doing a certain task and she would be calm yet focused she would be energetic yet um, peaceful she would be angry yet sad and then she would defeat the evil save the day and uh, disappear and uh, 
I saw that it's not just a culture of expectation. The same expectation I saw being presented to even the women around me. Whereas there is an expectation that, you know, just like the goddess, you should also have multiple hands and you should also do multiple tasks and you should do it when there is a need and then disappear. And uh, there is this whole expectation that you need to be the mother when the time calls, the wife when the time calls. And uh, when I would read the theological scriptures and I would see all the wonderful things that the goddess accomplished, I would see that, uh, and it's, it's a funny thing, but it's a sad reality. I would see the matrimonial ads and just like the goddess is described in the scriptures, that's how people would describe their prospective wife. We want somebody who's uh, educated, yet, you know, an oxymoron, somebody who's homely. We want somebody who's outgoing, yet somebody who's uh, um, introverted. We want somebody who laughs, yet somebody who's very calm. And I'm thinking, you really want to marry the goddess and you think you deserve the goddess and it's a culture of expectations. And I think the first thing that anybody should learn is, number one, how to relax strategically, systematically relax. Because I'm not saying that don't be the goddess or don't uh, have so many expectations upon you. If you like being the good, is great. If you like being the helper, the person who's compassionate, the person who's there for everybody, fantastic, do it. But at the same time, understand that we can't burn the candle from both the ends. Sooner or later, the lifestyle that we live, it's going to have an impact upon us. There's this very interesting joke uh, that... I like to say in my events, and it's a, it's a real thing that happened. I was very young and my sister, she had a friend and that friend was from North Delhi. So she had this very loud personality and uh, she would always speak. You know, she had a, a, a motto or a takya kalam or what's it's called, a, a personal statement. And uh, she was always in a mess perpetually in a mess, you know, you're a performance coach, you know that personality type, the one who, you know, everything's going correct and then they end up doing something that self-sabotages. So she had that personality, she would self-sabotage and whenever something would happen like that, she would just say, oh, yeah, right up, hell, yeah, meaning it's just a statement and it means is that, oh, I just spill the yogurt or I just pooped in a fan or uh, you know the water has gone above the head and that was her statement always oh yaar raita failure that oh my god that's it there is a uh, poop in the fan now and now things are going to get messy and the worst part was that people around her could see what's happening you know her mother her friends my sister it, it was like seeing a plane crash in slow motion and you could see what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. But it's just that she was such a good person or what you can say, she was such a caring person that she cared about everything else, everybody else, 
accept the most important thing in the situation, which is her own self, her own mental health, her own well-being. So she would procrastinate, 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 and eventually one day she would burst and mess, you know, mess up the situation. And then she would say, oh, yaar, raita, phel gaya. So my suggestion is that if you don't want to be like that person and we like being the goddess, we like to help, we like to heal, we like to go about our daily activities and be there for the people who depend upon us, then at least we must have some ritualistic practice. And when I say ritualistic, I don't mean some ancient theological ritual. I mean some ritual that can help heal us, that can help let go of our emotional baggage, that can really help us grow. Because if we don't have it, then we are risking, you know, burning the candle at both ends. We are risking of helping others at the cost of our own self. I always believe that we have more power to help people out of a place of joy, happiness, than out of a place of misery and sorrow. So that is my recommendation to all women out there. You are so nice, so loving, you care for so many people and especially women in our cultural background, women that come from Southeast Asia, uh, you know, they are pushed to be a goddess a lot more and maybe so much expectations are there and I'm sure mothers everywhere around the world have a lot of expectations but here a lot of cultural expectations are also there and uh, this whole life living with this thought that oh I have to fulfill each and every one of those expectations and I'm saying do that sure if you want to do that but at the same time if you want to drive a Ferrari you have to have fuel and we have to have some rituals in our life that can give us that fuel to drive as far and as fast as we want to go. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. That really resonates with me. Um, you mentioned rituals. So particularly for people listening that are new to your work and new to yoga of immortals can you tell me more about what you mean about rituals and what this could look like for women that are looking to create more space emotionally in their in in, in their mental well-being yes ma'am so let us take it uh, systematically the first is an introspective ritual an introspective ritual is when early in the morning or late in the evening, uh, meditate. I will, for all intensive purposes, use the word yogi or yogini, a, a person who practices and follows the path of union with its divine self or a higher self. So the first ritual that a yogi has is an introspective ritual where the yogi sits and he contemplates on their dharma so so the yogini is sitting and how we do that is generally in the evening or early in the morning we we have a diary and then we write what exactly is it that we want from our lives so just prioritizing ourselves uh, because it's so easy to just get lost 
in whatever it is that we are doing. If we go outside today, every single advertisement or person is trying to fight for our attention. And if we do not have that vision, uh, it is very, very easy to just distract ourselves. So in that ritual, the introspective ritual, the yogi or the yogini sits and she writes, what do I want in my life? What is it that I want to achieve today? What is it that I will do today? And uh, what is the price I am going to pay for what it is that I'm going to achieve? And this paying of the price is very, very important because let's assume what I want today. Oh, I want um, peace in my family. So if I want peace in my family, peace comes out of love, compassion. There's a little bit give. There is a little bit take. So, you know, there has to be a calculation in my mind that, okay, uh, somebody in my house did not put the dishes at the right place. So is this whole situation worth it to do a lot of drama or is this situation something that I can just let go at the cost of peace? So this whole concept of what I want, what is the price I am going to pay? That is the first ritual. The second is we do breathwork based meditation. That is extremely important because this ritual is sort of like what I call a sadhanatmak ritual. So a sadhanatmak ritual is that you dedicate a certain time of your life. You find a place and you have 5 to 15 minutes of doing protocol based progressive meditative work. Now I'm not saying mindfulness. Because mindfulness is a lot of just going inside and observing your thoughts and emotions. Meditative and sadhanatmak work is a bit different. It has a lot of activity inside it. It has breath work. It has visualization. It has a structure. It is a progressive scientific evidence-based protocol that we do in our life. And this sadhanatmak protocol helps us in a few things. The number one thing is it helps us in resilience training. It helps make us stronger. It is like an armor that we put around ourselves to help us deal with our life. The second thing that it helps us is, is dealing with our emotions because a lot of the time the reactions that may come, they are built up over time. So we may feel that we are reacting to an incident, but we don't know how the backlog is going. And when we do the Pratiprasav protocols, the deep meditative protocols, sometimes we find that the fruit of the reaction is here, but the root is many, many incidences back. So every day when we do these sadhanatmak protocols, we can balance our emotions and we can be ready to live life in a much more focused and alert manner rather than just living in an emotional turmoil. And the third thing that these sadhanatmak protocols helps us to do is they allow us to relax. A deep physiological and psychological relaxation. This relaxation is extremely important when it comes to dealing with stress, anxiety, insomnia or maybe even depression. Because if we cannot relax psychologically and physiologically, it becomes very difficult to deal with stress. So we have two ways how we can deal with it. Either we have a pharmaceutical way 
where we try to overprescribe ourselves with medication or we try to use some form of chemical stimulant or inhibitor to try to get our mind in order but then again risk being dependent risk shutting down the body's inner biology and risk over prescribing something that was very easier to deal with in the first place and the second way is the non-pharmaceutical modality which in this case is the sadhanatmak meditative modality that helps to teach us relax and that helps the healing to happen so the first ritual is the introspective the second is the sadhanatmak and the third ritual that i really like to teach to the people is what i like to say the rosary method of meditation so if you look at uh, the ancient theological structures or the eastern modalities you will find a lot of people will have rosaries and they would just you know count something and then the thing would be going and that way it seen that the left and the right brain they, they, they remain in a balance and we can give a sort of focus to our brain and even if it's not focused this is especially uh, true for people who suffer from some form of adhd or some form of ocd or some form of a uh, situation where they are not able to deal with the thoughts that become overwhelming from time to time then i teach them this ritual of the rosary meditative protocols where i tell them that okay this is the system this is the meditative process add this process in everything that you do so you are active your eyes are open you are driving you are working you are eating you are sleeping you are doing whatever you need to be but a part of your brain is constantly uh balance constantly is at peace that part of the brain is the sun that is shining the light to everything else that you are doing because if you don't do that then that part of the brain that is not doing the meditation becomes that part of the brain that is always stressed that is always focused on the murphy's law that is always thinking on the worst thing that could happen and unnecessarily throwing blockages in your path rather than shining light so you can protect yourself so i always say that these three rituals are one of the first that i like to introduce into a person's life so that they can bring some good quality and focus and start to at least develop a relationship with themselves because like everything this is a love affair remember this is a love affair so people tell me and they say that oh i can't meditate i said how many times did you try meditating said oh we tried meditating first time and i'm saying that's not how it works you rarely fall in love on the first date if you do it's infatuation for having a long term powerful beautiful tangible relationship you need to invest the time there has to be this dance that goes on and slowly you start to build that relationship with somebody that you've started to love and the relationship becomes fulfilling meditation is learning to be in a relationship with the self loving the self enjoying the company of the self problem solving crisis management through the self and these three rituals can help start an amazing and beautiful relationship that will last a lifetime so yes thank you um what i noticed there about you when you were talking about falling in love with the self 
what I find is that many women, when they're in this position where, again, they're used to serving more than they are, serving others and being there for others, it becomes difficult for them to actually turn inwards and accept that they deserve that love and that they also deserve to be nurtured and cared for. And so without even realising, they think that they don't need to perhaps make time for themselves as much because they think they've got it all under control. However, it's masked through some of those behaviours that you mentioned earlier. It's masked through procrastination or it's the, the fears of the, the fears come out in some other way, but they can't make that connection that actually if they were to turn inward and and really focus on how they can accept and love themselves and be compassionate towards themselves to take some of those steps towards having a ritual that it that it's a really important bridge for them so what what advice would you have for women that are perhaps struggling with that right now in terms of even that acceptance that they have that ability to slow down and bring this into their life no matter how busy they may be so uh I can give you examples of what I have dealt with. Um, first of all, I would like to say that when it comes to meditative modalities and uh, the Eastern modalities in the whole world, women have a big role to play because naturally they are more intuitive, compassionate. They have this loving and caring nature. Not everybody, but most of the people that I'm dealing with, with the opposite sex, and that makes them want to explore such modalities and share with the other people that they love. That being said, many times when I see the stressors coming, and now I'm just talking about in a relationship sense because that is how the question was put. So the first stressor is that uh, I want to love someone or help someone. But number one, they are not taking the help that I'm giving. Or number two, I want to give so many things, so much to offer. I don't have the people where I can give or flow. So number one, I have the people, but they don't want what I have to give. And number two, I have so much to give, and now I don't have anybody to give. So number three, let me edit, alter, delete, change myself in as many ways that I can so that number one, I'll have some people to whom I can give what I want, or number two, the people who I already have can listen and reciprocate the love, the compassion or whatever it is that I want to bring to the table. Now, the trouble with altering, editing and deleting yourself so much is, uh, and again, I'm talking about my culture of what I've seen and what I've worked with a lot is, uh, a lot of the times joy is procrastinated, uh, meaning 
a girl is going up and she wants to pursue um, some things and then she's told oh don't worry uh, you'll get married and then you'll be able to do all those wonderful things that you want to so procrastinate joy for the day when somebody will come then second thing she wants to grow she wants to develop and then she said oh when you get married you'll go to a house there may have to be some compromise you don't know hence procrastinate your growth for that one day when you know you will get to be with someone and then from there your journey can start so she ends up procrastinating a lot for something she'll get in the future and many times it happens is what you get is um, not worth it and uh, i have dealt with this a lot in a lot of cases that um, somebody hits a sort of like a, a crisis stage later on in their lives because they think to themselves that i procrastinated my education my growth my development my this my that so many things for this relationship was it even worth it and then the whole uh, emotional baggage build up starts to happen and a little bit of resentment that i did so much and what did i get in return and this is a problem that we have faced over time in history is not just in the current generation or currently how the culture is because you have to realize uh, in india the culture has been there for a long time thousands of years so the problems just keep on coming back and then you solve them and then you comes back and it's like a whole economic hyperbola that keeps on happening so let us revisit that when such a thing happened in culture how they dealt with it in a good way so the first thing was an inner exploration so the whole point was that when a child is young the child would be motivated to do a few meditative protocols every single day and the objective was to move from duality to non duality because one is i want somebody to love or second i want to love people the way that they will appreciate me a lot of we are and our personality is dependent upon others and how they value us how they evaluate us how they react to us so our joy our personality becomes dependent upon person this is called the duality nature of existence that i am only who i am if you are there and if you are not there then who am i and now i have a fear i have a fear of missing out so i want you to be there no matter what i compromise no matter what i let go you be there because you complete me and the ancient yogis they said that this statement is horrible whenever you say that you complete me then tomorrow something happens to you and you run away then i am incomplete then i am in a state of crisis and it's okay when we are young and we are beautiful and we have so much of life left so you know maybe we can try to complete ourselves again but what about in future so the yogi said the first thing is relationship should not be about i completing you or you completing me it should be about two complete people being together if they want to be 
So the first thing that was done is a child was taught and it's okay if today you are not a child still those protocols can be built up, those self-explorations can be done, that grounding can be done, that I am good. And the whole objective of this self-exploration was to develop self-love, self-appreciation. What we have to understand is that to every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And you shall reap what you sow. Nowadays, I have a lot of parents coming to me and saying that, oh, our children have become introverted. They spend all their time on their screens. And then I said, but you do know that for the last two years during the pandemic, they were forced to be on their screen. They were forced to spend all their time to just stare at things. And now eventually when that habit is developed, you want to break it in one minute. How is it? possible and then they say no these guys are on social media all the time and I say of course they are on social media social media has spent millions and billions of dollars on research to make their product addictive so you have to at least spend some time and resources to at least fight that addiction and the same law is applicable on even women because if you feel a certain way about yourself millions and billions of dollars has been spent end upon it so that you feel a certain way about yourself because until and unless you don't feel a certain way about yourself you won't buy the next fashion you won't buy the next thing you won't run after these things that you think you need to edit alter and delete yourself so that somebody will come that you can love or the people who are already there will listen or appreciate you in the way you really are so one thing we have to understand, if everybody around us is trying to evaluate us and tell us what our value is, have we tried to evaluate ourselves? Have we really focused, gone inside, done the work, done the introspection to find who we truly are? Where is our hero or heroine's journey? So all children at that time were, were expected to work on themselves, to grow, to develop and to find themselves and then go into the world. Because then nobody could tell them, oh, you need this to be real you. They knew who they real were. Nobody could tell them who they were. So hence they were above that. I started with child. I finish with old age. The second thing that was taught to shift from duality to non-duality, from dwait to advait was the concept of bhakti. The whole concept of bhakti was that uh, eventually in life you will be filled with so much love, so much potential that eventually you won't have it To project it to something else. So you won't find anything that's worth all your love and compassion. So what do you do with all of that? You start to take it inwards. And eventually when the time comes, you start to raise your consciousness, you start to meditate and you start to cut down the external expressions 
of love and compassion and it becomes an internal expression of love and compassion so that as slowly you move progress towards the years then again you are complete and you are moving towards a dignified content and joyous life and that's the whole point of bhakti bhakti is simply falling in love with something unconditionally truly passionately completely there is this whole form of yoga also called bhakti yoga but that goes into a much more theological aspect of the culture but the yoga that i teach the yoga of mortals the love is not towards a deity or somebody external we start to project it inwards and when we do that then it's not a matter of finding time for self care then it is a matter of creating a balance between self care and dharma our duties but the beauty is that if you work upon yourself you are much more capable much more able and much more successful in doing the dharma and then that time that is saved can be reinvested back upon the self so this is the approach that we try to take so the takeaway is number 1 let us try to move from duality to non duality and maybe that can help us thank you thank you shanji when it comes to um, we hear a lot about the talk of self empowerment and i think that sometimes there is confusion with what that means and and just how you've been speaking about it here um you've described it so beautifully in terms of how women can go within and make that connection make that self connection deeply with ourselves first um rather than viewing connection as a as an external thing that we have to do in order to get somewhere um the other part of the yoga of immortals work and the protocols that you teach are how to how we can all improve our mindset in terms of the types of stories that we end up telling ourselves based on things that have happened in our past and then so there's that part of how we can stop falling into that rut of telling ourselves this narrative of oh i'm useless oh i don't have what they call imposter syndrome commonly in the in the workplace these labels that women in particular are very good at kind of carrying around and that weigh them down so your processes with yoi help help us through breath work and through the yoga to um slowly remove those um negative um impressions that we're carrying around with ourselves and then with that they allow us to focus on what we want to consciously consciously create out there in the world could you speak to us more as we are wrapping up how women can get better at leveraging those opportunities to create the beautiful um the beautiful life 
essentially that they that they long for um because most tend to get into stuck into their own head and start questioning if it's if it's just a fairy tale possibility um with the way that some of those labels weigh them down so how can women get better at creating what they want with with that intention i know you've mentioned some of the, the processes that they can use which they can build up over time is there anything else that that you know, comes to your like, mind okay let me ask you a question about... g number one uh, yeah you just had a mathematics class in school and the teacher wrote all the beautiful formulas and now uh, the class is over and uh, uh, art teacher comes and she wants to teach you how to draw unicorns riding rainbows so what's the first thing she must do to teach you that how to to draw unicorns driving uh, sorry um riding rainbows how to visualize it or unless unless they've got a picture of it in front of in, in front of you already See, it would be you how straight to away went it. to the process not the groundwork the first thing she needs to do is wipe the blackboard of the mathematics you can't draw the unicorn on formulas you can try but it won't be a nice unicorn that's what we try to do we 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 have a blackboard our mind and we have something written on it and somebody comes and then write something else and somebody comes and write something as this label that label that expectation see you're such a goddess you should be on a tiger with all these hands and all these things you want to accomplish and each time we try to write something or accomplish something it just becomes more gibberish ununderstandable why because you know sometimes just sit wipe the blackboard you know just clean it and then we write what it is that we want so what i would suggest is that this time is needed and we we call these meditative protocols prati prasav prati prasav literally means to be reborn to be reborn you have to die and it's important to die once in a while you know uh, people say why i call yoga of immortals we are not immortals and i say okay sure you are not immortals but you live your life as if you are immortals when you hold your grudges they are immortals you don't kill them when you hold your resentments they are immortal when you hold your anger it is immortal when you hold your pain or sorrow it is immortal oh i can't forgive that person for what that has done so you've just given birth to an immortal entity to fight with immortal entities you need the yoga also that is immortal it is a battle of titans it is a superhero epic tale of you versus yours what you created so i always say that yes we will do what we need to do but the first thing is let's take some time out let's focus let's relax let's release that is most important let's relax let's release so we do a meditative processes to relax and release and then somebody says oh no but 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 i need to heal i have these deadlines this that and i say 
you want to heat, pull out the arrow. If you don't pull out the arrow, you don't do that work. And yes, sometimes it's tough, but it needs to be done. The healing process won't happen until and unless you take out the arrow. And then they say, no, but, but make me focus. Make me relax right now. And I say, okay, let's release. He said, no, I want to focus. And then I ask you, if you want to go to the toilet very badly, will you be able to focus? You want to go to the toilet. You want to let go. There is something inside you. So you're finding out the toilet or where you can go. And if you can find the toilet and you can let go, then automatically what will you feel? Great release and then you can focus. So all the things go back to this, to having the ability to release and relax. Now, very, very important to know the difference between relaxation and numbing. Now, we want to release. Now, how do we release? Do we release by relaxation or do we release by numbing? Relaxing by Release is when we find an activity that helps us grow, that evolves us, that motivates us, that brings us clarity, that brings us focus. Relaxing by numbing is going after activities that just procrastinate our deadline or our reaction to the deadline. So what I would like to suggest is Learn the relaxation through release. Learn to die every single evening. And, and when I say die, I don't mean, you know, you die. I mean those, those things that we keep on inside us. We deserve to let go. And finally, when we learn to die, then what are we doing? We are cleaning the blackboard. And we are learning to write something better. But all this can only happen if we learn to have a mantra in our lives. And I will repeat that mantra to you. And this is, I think, the most important mantra or the most important takeaway that you will get from this conversation that you and I are having. And that mantra is, I deserve. I deserve to be happy. Irrespective of what anyone says, irrespective of what anybody thinks, I deserve to be happy, I deserve to be healthy, I deserve to have joy. And the thing is, uh, this is most important. Whenever I'm working with athletes or whenever I'm working with youth that may have some form of uh, body dysmorphia, the first thing that I have to teach them is, do you think you deserve joy? And it is a long process. It's a convoluted process. But eventually we get there. And once we get there, great healing begins. That you have to learn to remind yourself that you deserve to be happy. Once you can do that, then you will have the ability of selective awareness. Meaning there will be so many things around you. But you will learn to focus on the things that matter. And this is something very beautiful. My uh, teacher, my uh, guru, he taught me that 
See, Sean, your atoms always bond. Uh, they bond to form molecules and your molecules bond to form cells and tissues. Your cells bond to form this, this body, the one in which you are living. So even the smallest part of you is always bonding. And if you have a higher state of consciousness, if you are positive, meditative, then also you bond. And out of all the things around you, you try to bond to the positivity, the good things, the poetry, you know. And you see those crazy people, they see anything and they become poetic. You, they see anything, they become inspired. And they're always in a state of happiness. And you're thinking, what is wrong with them? It's just that they're using the power of bonding to a better manner. And then there are the people who unknowingly learn to bond only to negativity. And you know these people. These are the people who complain, who out of the 20 things only see the worst thing. I, I remember this, this joke my father used to say. He said, once upon a time, there was this man who always complained, always complained. And uh, his neighbor had a dog. And his neighbor was angry that this guy is always complaining. So one time, uh, the neighbor found a magic genie and he said, okay, now my dog, give him the strength uh, that he can walk on water. So the neighbor took his dog running on water and uh, this guy who was complaining was looking at the neighbor and his dog walking on the water. And the neighbor asked the guy who was always complaining, what did you see? And the guy said, I see your dog can't swim. So even in a miracle, they will find reasons to complain. So we must work on our consciousness. We must work on our slate. And we must work every single day to clean our mm -hmm. slate. And that is most important. Just like we clean our hands, we clean our face. We have all these beautifying rituals. We must clean our mind as well. And it is empirical. If we feel that we deserve joy, then we will find a way. We will find a technique, we will find a place, we will find yoga for mortals and we will do the work. And if we feel that we don't deserve it, then joy can come in front of us in a golden plate and we will say it smells of blue cheese. So <laughs> this is from where the journey does start. So yes. Thank you. That's a really uh, powerful analogy with wiping the, the a metaphor with wiping the slate clean. It certainly resonates with me, and I hope and pray, like you do, that it will resonate with the many, many people that are listening to our conversation. Thank you so very much, well. and I know you work so very hard to help a lot of people, and I hope you can continue your journey and you can guide. And you can help and heal people. I always look at people like you and I say, uh, you are like the white blood cells of the world. You know, when, when everybody is an RBC, you are a WBC fighting all the infections. And presently, the infection that the whole collective consciousness is facing is the mental health issues. And work like yours are supremely important to the world. So I thank you. I appreciate you. And I hope and pray that more strength comes to you so you can help a lot more people. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Shanji and Rimaji, for coming on to our podcast. That was a, this, that was a nice topic. I, I, I enjoyed this conversation. 
Um, thank you to the audience for joining us. We hope we'll, you'll join us on the next episode of Immortals. Thank you very much and goodbye.